Across the pages of history, the Church of Jesus Christ has thrived and advanced amid unprecedented times. The year 2020 has been one of those moments. Yet through all of this, we have seen God use our church to reach thousands through the online broadcast of our worship services. We have seen God bless our church, but we know that the Church of Jesus was never meant to gather just online. So it is time to come back. We need each other. We need the fellowship and encouragement of being together again. We need to get back to serving our Lord and each other. We need to be in the flesh for each other. We need to be together. Jesus told us to be the salt of the earth and his light to the world. He told us that we are his unstoppable church. It is time again to be the visible church of Jesus Christ in this region. We are daring to start again. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being a part of the service. I want to welcome all of those who are watching online today. We are so grateful that you are tuning in. It is exciting to me to know that there are thousands of people that are watching us and that are involved in the service today. Thank you for being a part of that. And for our Richmond Rosenberg campus and our Missouri City campus and our Darrington campus. For all of them, I thank the Lord that you are a part of this service today with the Sugar Land campus today. And I am thanking the Lord for everybody that is in person in our services on all of our campuses right now. Yay, God, for everybody that is here. Can I tell you about the Sugarland campus right now? We have not had this many people in this room since last March. It is unbelievable, the crowd that is here today. Yay, God for that. And I wanna tell you this, we've still got more room to grow and as soon as we fill up this, we will start the 11 o'clock service. We will, we will not hold back, okay? You keep coming, we want you to be here. Now we've been in a, a series entitled Daring to Start Again. And, and the truth is, we j I just wanted to refocus our church. What church is about, why we need to be back and need to start again. And, and the first thing that we talked about was the fact that we need each other. We're stronger together. And to have us together in the same room, to be able to see each other, there is a real difference in the worship time. There's a real difference in our heart, our spirituality, everything. Now, if we can't be back, well, then we can't be back. And if you have underlining uh, physical problems about don't come back, please don't do that. And if you're not comfortable yet, please don't come back. Come back when you are ready. Come back when you are comfortable and we have room for you and we want you to be here. We need each other. And last week we talked about the fact that we need to serve again. We need to be a part of ministry. It is part of how we get back to normal. And if God is leading you to come, then come back and come back to serve. There, is, there are needs in the children's area. We have a children's worship on all campuses. There are needs in the student worship. We have student worship on all campuses and we need your help. So if you can help, do it. And you say, well, I can't come back right now but you could still serve. We would love to give you about 10 names of children, if you're interested in the children's ministry students. We'll give you the last names, just the, just the first names, but God knows who they are, and pray for them every single day for the, the movement of God's spirit in their heart. They'd come to know Jesus as Savior. They would grow and mature. 
pray for revival in the hearts of people that you get the names of, you could serve in a very powerful way. Revival comes because of prayer. And so we would love it if you did it. And today, I want to talk to you about the last message of the series we need to support. But before I do, I want to tell you, starting next Sunday, we began a new short series called Revive Us Again. Revive us again. We need revival. Individually, personally, we need revival. In this pandemic time, there's so many people have begun to drift spiritually and we need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And we're gonna be talking next week about revive us again personally and that pathway back to having a strong relationship and walk with God. And the second week, revive us again, is going to be about as, as a church. Oh God, revive our church again. Set us on fire for what you are wanting to do in and through our church. And then the last one is about our nation. Oh God, revive our nation. Bring our nation back to Jesus Christ. So we're gonna be dealing with all three of these over the course of the next three weeks, and we would love it if you came to be a part. Now this morning, I wanna to talk to you about we need to support. There was a phone call that came in to the uh, um, operator at a particular church and the person says she said yes may I help you the man said I need to talk to the head hog at the trough well the woman was mystified she thought about it for a moment she said, are you talking about our lead pastor and he said yeah that's the guy I want to talk to. She said, well, sir, that is rude. That is not respectful at all of this guy to call him a head hog. And the guy said, well, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I just want to give $10,000 to your church. And I thought I need to talk to the pastor. Well, she gulped and there was a pause. And then she said, wait a minute, sir. I think the big pig just walked in. <laughs> Okay, you enjoyed that way too much. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of giving back to God. I do that once or twice a year in which I talk the entire message about what the Bible teaches about this subject, but I haven't done that this year. Now, a few weeks ago, I talked about the story of Kathy and I learning how to tithe, but that was about, okay, learning to take the promises of God and apply them to our life. That's what the message was talking about. But today, I really want to talk to you about the subject of giving back to God. Now, if you are online, do not turn the TV off right now. It's not going to be a long message. And what you really need to grab hold of is the simple truths of what the Bible says about the subject. And that's what I want to do. The passage of scripture that I love the most in the New Testament is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and two. And the, the first principle that it teaches is simply this, giving to God includes everyone, including me. Now listen to what the passage says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse one and two. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do. What he's saying, just stop for a second, what he's saying is, I've taught this to all the churches in Galatia, really all the churches that I've been going to, and now I'm teaching this to you. So this is something that Paul taught everywhere that he went. Verse two, upon the first day of the week, 
Let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, the first phrase I want you to grab hold of is every one of you. The phrase includes everyone and excludes no one. I got to tell you, the history shows, we've got some history of first century and history shows in Corinth, most of the people in that early church were impoverished people. They're very poor people. There was a handful, just a few who had uh, more funds, more money, but most of the people didn't have much at all. And many of the people that were members of that church in Corinth were slaves who were given the ability, the freedom to go to the services on Sunday. And he's talking to them. And so what God is saying is this, this involves the wealthy and the poor. This involves the senior adults on a fixed income and young adults who are just trying to get started. This involves teenagers and children. It involves everyone. This is a principle that God has for all of us. And a few weeks ago, I shared with you the struggle that Kathy and I had as young adults. Here I was, a young pastor. We were, I was pastoring a, a small country church and, and just hardly getting any kind of income. And we just could not make ends meet. It wasn't that we were wasting money. We didn't waste a penny. I mean, doing exactly, being as austere as we could be. It still, the ends could not meet. And I came to God and said, God, would you, would, you not, would, you, would you forget the tithe for me for a little while? And God says, no, Mark, what I want you to do is I want you to begin giving 20% so that you can see how powerful I can be in your life. And I told you that story of what we went through and what, how God blessed us and how he just kept meeting our needs. It was just so absolutely amazing. In fact, we were do, living better giving 20% to God, then we were living, thinking about giving nothing. God showed us his power and strength in our life. And God wants to do that in all of our lives. And here's what God said to me, when all of it was over and the time was done and he, he released us of that 20%, here's what God said to me, Mark Hartman, you are a young pastor, but I want you to teach my word just like I put it there. I don't want you to say, well, I'm gonna excuse you because you, you, you're going through hard times. I want you to let me be in charge of this issue because I want to bless other people. I want to use this to demonstrate my strength and power in others. And I don't want you to teach except what you see me say. And I have done that all my ministry. It includes everyone, including me. When our two sons were growing up, they were children, just small children, and all the way into their teenage years, Kathy and I trained, taught our children to tithe back to God from the time they were small. They got allowance, they gave back to God a portion of that allowance. Why, because I'm a pastor? No, because I'm a Christian. It is the job of Christian parents to disciple children in every aspect of the Christian life. And we strive to do that, including this area. It's part of raising up a new generation, of teaching them from the time they're very small. Now the church augments our teaching of our children, but we're the disciplers as parents. We're the ones that disciple our children. And we wanted our sons to grow in every area, including this area. So one day what happened was our oldest son, Matthew, 
was trying to raise money for a car. He had to be able to put in savings $5,000 and then I would match the 5,000. And so he was mowing lawns. He was trying to raise his, to get money. And, uh, and he was doing such a great job working so hard. And he was, he was getting there and he did get there at the age of 16. He had raised the money. We matched it. We bought a car. But before that day happened, our church sent to our home or mailed to our home a, a quarterly giving record. And I had forgotten that that was happening. And all of a sudden here they came. And one of those was for Matthew. I was okay. I wonder. So yeah, okay, I did wrong. I opened it. I opened it. And you know what I discovered when I opened it? Not only had he been tithing, he was giving above his tithe to the building program of the church. And he was, what, 14, 15 years old. And I want to tell you, I cried. I did, I cried. I can tear up from time to time. And I did because I saw my son is walking the walk. I was so grateful. The Bible says that we are to obey him in giving back to him and it includes everybody and excludes no one. The second thing is giving to God is to be consistent. So see how he puts it in 1 Corinthians 16 too? On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up that I may have no collections when I come. Why every week? Because in that day, in first century, they were paid every day. You work today, at the end of the day, you got paid. You work tomorrow, at the end of the day, you got paid. Every day they worked, they got paid that day. And since that was the custom in the day, at the end of the week, they had gathered all this funds that they had worked for, been paid, and they were to give. But that's not the case for us. Many of us are paid every other week. And some are paid every month. And so he is really saying, at the end of being paid, give back to God. That's what he's talking about. My tithe belongs to God if it's raining or sunshine. It belongs to God if I'm on vacation or I am present. It belongs to God every time. And so several years ago, Kathy and I made the decision that we'd start giving online. And every time I get paid, I, the first thing I do, I go to, I, I do all the stuff online. I use the, the uh, pay bill thing option. And the first one I put down is Sugar Creek Baptist Church and I give my tithe. And then I pay all the rest of the bills. We're to give back to God when God has given to us. What is interesting to me is that uh, before COVID, uh, about 40% of our members were giving online and we were trying to figure out how we can help others to begin doing that too. And along comes COVID and now we are giving about 80, 80 plus percent of our church is giving online. And we hope that you keep doing that forever until Jesus comes back. Now, some say, I know I still want to give in the offering plate. We don't actually have offering plates now. We can't pass offering plates, but we do have drop boxes and you can do that or you can mail to the church any way you choose. So why is it so important giving online? Because people tend to be more consistent 
when they do. The Bible teaches that our giving is to be habitual. Our church is not made up of a group of wealthy people that underwrite everything in the church. That does not happen. I will tell you why this church does well. It does well because thousands of families of all economic backgrounds gives faithfully to the Lord consistently. That's why. And the Bible says we are to be consistent in our giving. The third thing, giving is, involves a percentage of what we have received. See how he puts it in verse two? On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And that is the key phrase I want you to grab hold of. In keeping with his income. That phrase, that Greek phrase actually means proportionate, which is the same idea as percentage. In the Old Testament, the Bible taught about giving a 10%, a tithe, that's what the word means, a tithe to the Lord. And here is why it's said to do it. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's the reason that God asks us to do it. So in the New Testament, does the tithe still, till, still matter? Jesus only talked about the tithe one time. Now, I believe Paul's talking about the tithe in this passage. He uses the phrase that means a percentage. By the way, the whole idea of percentage is pretty smart if you ask me. God said, I don't ask for a certain number because the wealthy could do it easily and the impoverished could probably not get there. No, I ask for a percentage so that it'd be fair for everybody. So in the New Testament, does it teach it? Jesus only mentioned this idea one time. And when he did it, it was in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. What is he saying? The most important thing to God is that we treat each other justly, that we stand for justice for each other. Justice means a great deal to God and to Jesus, obviously. He brings this up, that you use justice in how you treat other people and you treat other people with the love of God. This is the most important thing. And Jesus said, I would rather you do this, but the former, the tithing, don't leave that undone either. Keep doing that. Now, if Jesus meant to do away with a tithe, this would have been the key time to do it. And by the way, don't even worry about the tithe anymore, but that's not what he said. He actually affirms the tithe. So in the Bible, we are told to give at least 10% of our income back to the Lord. The Bible does not teach that the tithe, or teaches that the Bible, that the tithe is, the, the Bible does clearly teach that the tithe is a minimum of what we give back to God, not the maximum. J.C. Penney was um, the guy who founded J.C. Penney department stores, and he came to know Christ as an adult man, and he, when he came to know Christ, he got really saved. He was living for God. He was doing everything he knew to do in serving the Lord. And that included giving back to God a tithe. And he began to tithe immediately. But by the time he got to the end of his life, 
JCPenney was actually living on 10% and giving 90% back to God. And, and what he said is, look, I'm an old man. I don't need all this money, but I want the kingdom of God to be spurred on. And so whatever I can do, and that's what happened with JCPenney. Did you know about this guy? Did you know that he was a follower of Christ and he was such a godly man? God has said to us, I want you to give a tithe. And if you want to give beyond that, that's your option, but do it if you please. Can I tell you, I don't know who gives in this church and I don't know if you do give, I don't know what you give. I've said this to you before. I made the point early in my ministry and there's a reason that I did is because I came across that passage of scripture in James chapter two where he talks about, and you guys, you, you see a rich person walk in the door and you falling all over yourself trying to take, make, the, treat that person special, but the impoverished, you don't treat them special. And I realized I'm a human being and I could fall to that. And I made a decision, I will not know who gives and who doesn't give. And if somebody gives, I won't know how much they give. That way, I will not be tempted. I'll treat everybody the same. And we made the decision as we kept going that all the other pastors would be the same way so that we treat everyone the same way. So here's what I'm saying. If you don't, if you don't give to our church, I don't know it. it. Doesn't affect me in the slightest. This is between you and obeying the Lord and that is between you and God. I encourage you to obey him. Then the fourth thing is this. The Bible teaches where we are to give our tithe. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse two, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, in store, as God has prospered him. Uh, well, I looked this up, that Greek word that is translated in store, I looked that up. And according to the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, which by the way, is an amazing grouping of books, it is absolutely fabulous. The, theolo the, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, he goes through this whole explanation of that Greek word that is used in this verse. And he explains that this means to place in a treasury, just like in Matthew 6, verse 20. But store up, he uses the same Greek word, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. It's the same exact word. He is talking about on the first day of the week. Where are we on the first day of the week? We're coming to church. And we're to give that tithe to the church where we are a part of to further the ministry of that church. And commentary after commentary I checked agreed with that interpretation. In fact, one commentator said, this is the same Greek word in Greek that was equivalent to the Hebrew word that is used in Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. They knew what the storehouse was, it was the temple. It was the same word. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing and you don't even have enough room to receive it. And it's that idea that comes to the last point of the message. God responds to our giving by blessing us in return. 
God says, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to give a tithe back to me. I want you to give it in your church where you are a part of, and I want you to do it as often as that you are paid. But now listen to what he says. I will bless you back if you will obey me. And notice how he puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I don't know how to interpret that except that if I am chintzy back to God, he'll be chintzy back to me. If I'm generous back to God, he'll be generous back to me. The Bible teaches that God will give back to us to the degree that we give to him. I don't know how else to interpret it. I'm not, look, I don't believe in prosperity gospel. I'm not teaching that. But how else am I to understand this passage and others like it, except that when I'm generous to God, God will be generous back to me. It's not always financial. We still see, Kathy and I still see, we've looked back in, our, in the last few, several years and we, I couldn't find a year that we just gave a tithe. We, we've given beyond between 10 to 20%. And we've never done without, and I will tell you this, God just keeps blessing us. It's not always financially. But there are times in which God has sort of blessed us and how he blesses us. Sometimes the blessing of God is a spiritual thing. Sometimes it is just giving us the joy of seeing someone else taken care of. But God blesses us back. And I'm going to tell you, that's not just us, it's our church. See, our members have given so faithfully to this church this year, and we have a surplus. And so it came to our attention last week that in at Lake Charles, Louisiana, where they had the hurricane, they got the brunt of the hurricane, that a porous part of Lake Charles was really hit hard. And our director of missions mentioned to me that there is a church, it's a black church, and it, it is really on, been on fire for God reaching people, and um, that church had $250,000 worth of damage. And they don't have the ability to take care of that. But the biggest issue for them right now is the worship center and their worship center has $50,000 worth of damage and they can't fix it. The pastor's home was totally destroyed, totally flooded and ruined, totally destroyed. He had flood insurance, but he doesn't have the, the down payment, it's not down payment, the deposit, what, you know what I'm saying, to, get, to take care of it, the 6,000. So we brought that to the attention of one of our committees. And I want you to know, $50,000 is on its way to this church from Sugar Creek Baptist Church to help this family, to help this church. And we're going to help that pastor be able to get, the, to, to get his, his, his house back. This is, this is what it's supposed to be about.
And then we have a group of people toward the end of October that are going to go help them and and helping cleaning up their area and coming from Sugar Creek Baptist Church. This is what the church is supposed to be. And God says this to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moths and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God has said to you, I will take care of you if you will obey me. I've shared this story with you before. It's been a a long time, but if you recognize it, it's okay because others have come since then. And I want to share this story. It felt like God laid this on my heart to share. Once upon a time, there was a man who had, God had given to him, God created man, gave him 10 apples. That's what these apples are doing up here. And God gave to this man 10 apples. Now, three of the apples that he gave to him were for the purpose of taking care of a shelter. And two of the apples were for the purpose of eating. And two of the apples were for the purpose of clothing. And two of the apples were for the purpose of everything else the man needed. Actually, the man only needed nine apples. But God gave him 10. Because God understood that we need, as an expression back to God, we need the opportunity to say, God, we are thankful for all you've done for us. We love you. And we need an expression that is tangible. So even though the man only needed nine apples, God gave him 10 apples. And this 10th apple was to go back to God. Well, the man, when he saw the 10th apple, he was just amazed. This apple looks bigger and more beautiful and juicier than any of the other apples. And he just kept watching, looking at the apple. He finally decided he would take a bite. It was incredibly tasty. Better than any of the other apples he'd ever eaten. He was amazed how great this apple was. And so he took another bite. And And he kept eating the apple. This is part of the reason I really love this illustration. (laughs) But I think the next time I do it, I'm gonna use Snickers bars instead. And he kept eating the apple and eating the apple until the only thing he had left was the core. And then he gave to God the core. And he said, this is a demonstration of my love for you. the leftover. So what is your demonstration of love for God? Let's pray. 
Lord, we come to you today, and Lord, we do love you. And oh God, we, we thank you for the truths of your word, of how you teach us to live, and there's reason for it. And even on this subject of giving that is so hard to do and so difficult, especially just to get started, it's scary. And yet you tell us this is a point in which I am wanting you to learn how to trust me and obey me and, and live for me. And God, I pray that you would move in our hearts that we would say, yes, God, we will trust you even through our fear of how am I gonna make ends meet, even through the sacrifice of not buying some things that I would have rather bought. But I choose to give back to you. Father, I pray for those who especially online, but also in the rooms today, who do not know Jesus as Savior and have never accepted Jesus into their heart that this would be the day of salvation, that today, Lord, that they would, they would reach out with the online Next Step Center and talk to one of our pastors and come to understand how they might know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Be honored today, Lord, by our response to your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.